for many, many years, we've been studying a book of the Bible uh, each summer. And uh, we do that for a couple reasons. One is, when we study a book of the Bible, it helps us to get deeper. You're going to hear me say that a lot this morning. But it also helps us understand the Bible better. In other words, we're not just grabbing a thought somewhere that may not even be what the Bible says and running with it, but we're understanding it as more of a whole piece. And so this summer, we're going to be studying the book of Psalms. Um, The book of Psalms is the largest book in the Bible. It's probably the most well-read. There's 150 chapters. Some of you are like, that's a long summer. We're not going to do all 150 chapters. We're going to do about 12, 11 or 12 of the chapters. Um, And so I I hope that you'll jump in and join us in this series. We're calling it Everyday Prayer because this is the prayer book of the Bible. Uh, Jesus, Paul, and Psalms are the three places in Scripture that we really grab most of our language for prayer. Uh, The book of Psalms was originally individual poems that were written over a thousand years. And then they were gathered into a collection that we now have today called the book of Psalms. And uh, where we see all 150 chapters. Now, Psalms is filled with uh, poetry. Uh, many of the Psalms are set to music. Uh, you can see a lot of human suffering, uh, a lot of hunger, uh, spiritual hunger. It is, it is dripping wet um, with humanity and emotion. And so, the reason we're calling this Everyday Prayers is because Psalms is not one of the books that tries to hide or shy away from the difficult issues or the bad days or the good days or whatever, this is a, this is a book for everyday prayer. Like for everyday people like you and me, uh, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, you get in a car wreck, work goes bad, home goes bad, school goes bad. Man, this is, this is the book. Um, a few years ago, many years ago, those of you who know our story know that we pastored a church uh, that endured the, the aftermath, the impact and aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. And... Um, we were in a lot of crisis for a long time after Hurricane Katrina. And after about a year or two, I remember in my own prayer life just saying, okay, God, I don't know what I need, but I need something because I don't know how to deal with and process and move through this season. And the Holy Spirit drew me um, to the book of Psalms. And I spent about a year there reading it over and over and Um, And it ministered to me, and I met God there. Well, um, a lot of us are are likely unaware of the impact of the times that we've been through. So uh, from time to time, I'll just bring you a a thought, a nugget, not to try to paint a whole picture, but just to give you another angle on we're, we're again as a society in difficult times. It's not localized to a hurricane strike. It's sort of everywhere. Uh, you, you might not have caught this, but in 2021, something happened in the state of Alabama that's never happened in our state's history. We had more deaths than we had births. M- much of that was related to COVID. It's also related to drug overdose. Drug overdoses have escalated, um, and drug addiction has escalated like crazy, like it often does in a time of crisis. So I only share those thoughts with you just to say um, we are in a tumultuous and a chaotic time. And in times of crisis, we've got to do what God's people have always done. 
we've got to go deeper. We've got to dig our heels in. We've got to set our roots down. And we've got to go deeper. And so that kind of brings us to this book this morning, the book of Psalms. I sense the Holy Spirit calling me back to this book of Psalms that I visited in another crisis point in my life. Now, we're going to begin today at Psalm 1, and that seems obvious because it's the first book, uh, but I, uh, first chapter, but I also want you to understand Psalm chapter 1 wasn't originally Psalm chapter 1. When the book was being compiled, Psalm chapter 1 wasn't a chapter, it was an introduction. And so it kind of introduced or sets up the other 149 chapters. So we want to start in chapter 1 today because it helps us um, understand how we might interact and understand these other 149 chapters. In chapter 1, we see these two options, these two roads. We see two ways that we can go. We can take one path that is blessed by God. We can take another path that is not blessed by God. We can take one road and live a blessed life. We can take another road and we're not going to live a blessed life. So that's as simple as Psalm chapter 1 is, but Psalm chapter 1 forces us to at least two questions, and that's what I want to give you today. Let's look at Psalm chapter 1 together. Blessed is the one. How many of you want to be blessed? Great. I'm going to tell you how. <laughs> okay? I'm going to tell you how to be blessed. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Blessed is the one who does not stand in the way that sinners take. Blessed is the one who does not sit in the company of mockers. But, those are the things that a blessed person does not do. What does a blessed person do? But whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. Two questions. Here's the first one. Who will you listen to? Who will you listen to? So, in this, in this um, chapter, it tells us if you want to live a blessed life, there are a group of people you cannot listen to. You cannot listen to the wicked. You cannot listen to sinners. You cannot listen to mockers. Another way, that word wicked, I think, kind of throws us off in English because, you know, we get uh, images of, you know, people in Halloween costume or something or, you know, Satanist or something. A better way, I think, to understand the word wicked in an equally valid translation is faithless. We cannot be influenced by, we cannot listen to faithless people. Because when we do, we take a path where we're not blessed. So being blessed means learning who not to listen to. And it's not so much about who they are as people, because there's some good people that you ought not to listen to. It's about their philosophy of life. If you listen to them and adopt it, you're going to go the way they're going. And the way they're going is not blessed. It's not blessed by God. So God hasn't so much blessed a person as he's blessed a direction. And if you'll walk the direction, you'll be a blessed person. If you don't walk the direction, you're not going to be a blessed person. And so much of what decides which direction we walk is who we listen to. So we've got to learn there are people that we shouldn't listen to. Now here's the challenge, okay? We're drowning in repetitions of faithless voices. 
Our children and our teenagers and our college kids are getting their spirits overwhelmed and drowned through school and media and entertainment and culture and education and dozens of times every day or hundreds of times some days a person has already heard a a voice, an influence, a philosophy that is not blessed, that is contrary to God. And you do that Monday, then you do that Tuesday, then you do that Wednesday. Now those messages are compounding and they're surrounding you. And they're on media and they're in the news and they're on movies. And they're, they're compounding over and over and over, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages. Then you come to a moment like this where you hear a sermon or you go to youth service or you go to something and you hear a message and it gets drowned because it's one little voice surrounded by hundreds of voices. It's like a cricket at a rap concert. I mean, no, that's not getting through. That's not getting through. And on top of that, people attend, all the statistics tell us the same thing. People attend church in America less often now than at any time in history. So whereas a person might come to a gathering like this three times a month or four times a month, now they're coming once a month or twice a month. So all I'm, all, my only point in that is to say the voices that influence you to go ways that aren't blessed have exploded. And the voices that are influencing you to go God's way are shrinking and getting smaller and less frequent. We have a repetition problem. The voices that are showing us the way that's blessed are getting more faint and small and harder to keep up with. So Psalm 1 says, if you want to be blessed, don't listen to them. So who are these faithless people? Well, not only in chapter 1, but all through the book of Psalms, you're going to come across phrases, words, like sinners, mockers, wicked, uh, uh, foolish, um, uh, enemies, and, and all, you can do a lot of word studies on those, but all of those can kind of be boiled down into three categories, okay? Broad categories. And I want to give you those three categories of people that we should not listen to. The first one is unbelievers who are hostile to God and faith. So we ought not to allow ourselves to be influenced by the voice of people who are unbelievers who are hostile to God and faith. Do you see? So, so what happens is, is we, uh, so many people in the church today are seeking advice from people who are actually hostile to God and then wonder, why, why don't I live a blessed life? Why am I not walking? The, why is my life not going the way it should go? The second group are uh, believers. Believers who believe right things but live wrong ways. See, we shouldn't, we shouldn't let ourselves be influenced by their voice because there's a, a disconnect between what they believe. They might, if they take a doctrine test, they might believe all, do you believe in the Trinity? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in heaven? You know, they might believe all the things, but there's a disconnect between what they believe and what they live. And Psalm says, don't listen to them. Here's the third group. Believers, uh, shallow believers who are hostile to deep faith. 
So they're the ones, uh, you might think of these as mockers, they're the ones that go, oh man, I, you know, I grew up in church, I know all about that, my uncle was a pastor, my grandfather was a pastor, you know, I, know, I, know all, I know all about how all that works. You got, y'all doing all that fasting and you know, prayer, and I don't, I don't get into all that, I don't get into all that. I, I'm going to heaven, that's all I need. You know? And Psalm says, don't listen to them. So I want you to notice something. Two of the three groups of people we shouldn't listen to are believers. They're people inside the community of faith. When I was a young believer, I'd, I'd uh, been a Christian for about three years, and I went off to Bible college. And I thought, great, man, I'm going to go off to college with all these people training for ministry. You know, it'll just be, it'll be incredible. It'll be the greatest time of growth in my life. And it was a fantastic time of growth, but I didn't take but about a semester or two for me to realize there's some people there I didn't need to listen to. There's some people there who weren't going the way that's blessed. They might say one thing and do another. They might believe one thing but do another. They might actually kind of make fun of deeper faith. They might have been sent there by mom or dad, paid their bill to hope that Bible college would straighten them out. You know, everybody wasn't there going the same way. And I thought, man, you know, I'm glad that's over. Now I'll go to the church where everything's perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going, don't you? And I can't tell you how many times as a youth pastor, you know, some mom or dad that was concerned about their kid would come and say, man, my kid's been hanging around the wrong people at school, and I sent them to church thinking that, you know, they were going to hang around the right people and get influence for good, and then this kid in your, in your youth group, in your youth group, you know, your youth group, took them out and they were doing drugs in the parking lot, you know? I thought, that, I thought people were saved here. I thought they were going to heaven, you know? You know what that's called? Foolish. That's called foolish. That's what that's called. Everybody's not going the same way. Then, then I became a youth pastor. As a youth pastor, I started hanging around with other youth pastors. You know what I learned? There's some of them I didn't want to listen to. Because some of them weren't going the way that was blessed. Some of them were kind of hanging out, checking out the water. Then I became a pastor. I thought, oh, that'll definitely fix it. All the pastors, you know, they got it. And I've been to a few pastor conferences, like, I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure everybody here, do I really want to listen to and give influence into my life? Not saying they're bad people, okay? So let's just go ahead and put it in the pew where we all are today. There are people in our church that you shouldn't listen to. Are you here? There are people who will believe one thing and live another. There are people who you shouldn't give influence over your life even though they're going to heaven. The Bible calls that foolish. <laughs> you, did I say we had to get deeper? Hey, by the way, we're not the only church. All the other churches are that way too, except the ones that think they aren't, and they're the ones you shouldn't listen to any of them. <laughs> I'll just put that out there. Okay? Did I tell you we were going deep? We're going to go deep. So here's what we have to do. The blessed people are the ones that we need to let influence us. But wait, we shouldn't stop there. Let's just don't pick on, you know, the church. I don't think that we ought to be giving influence to strangers on YouTube who we have no idea what their lifestyle is, but we trust their voices more than we trust our parents or our friends or our church or the Bible. 
So like I think there's a lot of room for conversation in this. Whoever you let influence you, you're going to go their way. <laughs> and Psalm says there is a way to go that's blessed. I, I asked you, did you want to be blessed? You still want to be blessed? <laughs> okay, you might not when it's over, but we'll keep going. <laughs> so to go deep, we have to begin to think like a minority. Because Christians are the minority in America. And if you don't get that, if you're living the same way most of the people around you are living, you're not blessed. You're not going the way that's blessed. So you have to recalibrate and rethink. God's way is to learn who not to listen to, but also learn who to listen to. And that's what Psalm chapter 1 verse 2 tells us, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. This is God's, if they are faithless voices, this is God's faithful voice. So this is his challenge to prepare us for prayer. Remember, this is a prayer book. You're like, all you're talking about is other things. This is a prayer book. This is the way to prepare for prayer. To meditate, to drop roots down. So in this verse, there's a few words I want to uh, explain because I think they'll help us understand the verse. There's this word law. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord? What are we talking about? Rules? No, we're talking about the Torah, which is just a Hebrew word for the first five books of the Bible. Okay, that's all the Bible that the Psalms writers had to refer back to. So how they would have understood it is meditate on these five books and Psalms. But that has been expanded to the entire Old Testament and the entire New Testament now Meditate on, on the whole thing, okay? So that's what law means. But here's the other thing law means. Law means Torah, and here's what Torah means. The, the Hebrew word for Torah means to throw something to hit the mark, okay? Like a javelin. I'm going to throw a javelin to hit the mark. So what, what we're learning here is God's Word is like a javelin that is intentionally thrown to hit the heart of every person. It's a javelin. It hits. It sticks. It makes an impact. It makes a difference. It's aimed. But not all words are javelins. Some are just tin cans that are kicked down the road. And what Psalm 1 is laying out for us is receive the words that are a javelin sent from God, thrown to your heart. Don't embrace the tin cans because they'll lead you away that's not blessed. So it's not just reading. Here's the other word I want to pick up on in this verse. It's not just reading or listening. It's, um, it's how, how can we uh, grow in this. So the word is meditate. Who meditates on his law day and night. Now look, I made up a definition that works for me. You know, don't fact check me on it, okay? It might, it might not be right. But here's how I understand meditate on the word. To reflect on the Bible and think deeply about how I can apply it to my life. It's not a doctrinal test. It's not, do you know where Genesis is? It's not, you know, who's the one that drove the boat when the rain came? It's not that. It's how do I reflect on the Bible and think deeply about how I can apply it to my life? How can I meditate? How can I embrace? How can I assimilate? 
God's thinking into my life and it come out my hands and out my feet and out my eyes and out my mouth and out every part of me? How can I live this thing out? Otherwise, it, it doesn't have any power in your life. The other thing that's said in this verse is meditate on His law day and night. Day and night. Man, that sounds like a lot. Um, in About 160 years before Jesus came to earth, there was a group called the Community of the Essenes. And the Community of the Essenes, because culture had become so corrupt, they removed themselves from culture and just tried to live out the Christian faith. And one of their rules was this. One of their mandates was this. They took this verse and tried to live it out literally. And so what their mandate was is in our community, someone must be reading and trying to interpret the Bible every hour of every day and every night, and they did it for 200 years. Round the clock. Now, I don't think we're switching to that system soon, okay? <laughs> but it does challenge our heart to say this, and this is the point. Do you take the Bible seriously? Is it another book equal to all other books? Or do you take it seriously? And I can ask you one question that will help you figure that out in your own life. When do you read the Bible? And if your answer is, I don't know, or I don't have a set time, you're probably not going the blessed way, you're probably going the way that's not blessed. Because there, that's a dividing point. That's, that's a different road than what we see about in Scripture. So Psalm 1 says to us, the Bible takes precedent over every human word, over all human wisdom, over all human advice, over all human conversation. So we're not blessed when we allow those things to become uh, predominant in our life. So we don't become blessed by studying ourselves or studying the world around us. We become blessed by meditating on God's Word, on the Bible, on Scripture. So how are we doing at this meditating? You ready? I'm going to give you a few stats from the latest research we have. Here it is. just came out this month. 6% of American Christians have a biblical worldview. Not Americans. American Christians, what is a biblical worldview? It is a view of the world that is in alignment with the Bible. In other words, you see the world the way the Bible sees the world. 6% of American Christians. All right, let me give you a second stat. 37% of American pastors have a biblical worldview. 63% of the ministers working in the American church do not have a biblical worldview. That is, that is uh, startling. All right, one more. Less than 5% of American churches have a disciple-making culture. Less than 5%. Now, here's what I mean when I say we need to go deeper. One of the things that happened in the COVID-19 crisis, pandemic, is uh, what, what always happens in crisis. Things that you can't see before the crisis, now you can see. It uncovers things and exposes things. And I think one of the things that it did is it exposed the weakness 
the weaknesses that were in the church in the way we were doing. So for people who say, man, we just got to uh, start the ministries we had before. We just got to go back the way that it was. We just got to get back to a rebuild the way that it was. There were things that weren't working the way that it was. The proof is in the numbers that I just read you. We're in a crisis. We're in a spiritual crisis. And so we can't just go back to the way that it was. We've got to go on to what the Holy Spirit has for us in this season. And it's not to go back to what it was. Because although what it was was good, it wasn't, listen, it wasn't good enough to survive crisis. How do we know? Well, because I'll tell you something that's happened all over America. Every, every voice I have on the subject from across the country reports the same thing. You have a bunch of people who went to church, COVID came, a bunch of people fell out of church, and, and some of them, we have people we haven't seen in two years who we thought were growing in their faith, who we thought were planted, who we thought were rooted. And so we as a leadership team are rethinking, wait a minute, this probably won't be the last crisis in world history. So we don't want the next one to sweep away people who could be grounded. So how can we, so we're rethinking, how do we do church at Kingwood? How do we do ministry at Kingwood? How do we prepare? How do we go deeper? And I hope that you're asking the same things at your house. I hope that you're not looking back and saying, let me just do the vacation that I didn't get to do. Let me just catch up on the things that I missed. I hope you're uncovering deeper than that and looking at it through a spiritual x-ray machine and saying, are you sure we were where we needed to be? Are you totally sure that in my soul and in my heart and in my mind and in my relationships and in my faith were things where they really needed to be? I hope that you're taking that inventory inside. Because just getting things back and catching up on vacation, doing the trip you missed and you know doing all that stuff, that, none of that's bad, but it's all external and it won't affect your soul. What we have is a soul problem. And we've got to affect it on a soul level. So I believe God's calling us to deeper faith so that we might touch the world. You know where that starts? With the Bible. That's what Psalm 1 says. It starts with the Bible. So before we get to the second question, um, let me just give us some tips on meditating on the Bible, okay? Because you may say, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. Is that humming? Like, what are you talking about? Do I stare at it? Let me give you some thoughts about meditating in the Bible, okay? Here, here's a few tips on ways that you could practically do this in your life. You could take, a, 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 the first thing I want to say is, I think that if you'll shrink the amount of the Bible that you're trying to read and, and read less for more depth, okay? So look, it, it does you no good to read the whole Bible and not have applied any of it to your life. It'd be much better to read less and try to live it than read more and not live it at all. So what I would say is shrink the amount. So maybe you could do a verse a day. Maybe you could actually type in a verse on your phone, set the reminder for morning, afternoon, and bedtime, and let that notification pop up, and you read that verse and say, now what does that mean? How can I live that today? 
What is God saying to me? Uh, another way you could do I did this for a year and a half. I, I think there are 18 books of the Bible that are four chapters or less. I took those four chapters and I read them every day for a whole month. Just over and over and over and over. And I, it's, a, it's a, amazing to me every time it happened. I'd get to about day 12 or 15 or 18 and I'd go, has that been there the whole time? How did I not see that before? Because I was absorbing, I was assimilating into my life. I was meditating on the Word. I wasn't just, you know, reading it, skimming it. Another way that you could do it is um, do it in conversation. You know, um, when you have conversations with people, Christians, you can ask questions like, why do you think Jesus said, the greatest command is to love God and love neighbor. Why do you think that's true? How do you think it is we as Christians can actually produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life? How does that happen? What do the Beatitudes mean? What do they even mean? <laughs> Let alone how would we live them? What, what are the gifts of the Spirit? The, the, uh, the armor of God that Ephesians 6 tells us to take on, how, how would we do that? Why do you think there's four Gospels instead of three or eight? What's your favorite psalm? That you can have conversations, and as you do, you're meditating, you're chewing this up. Um, another way you could do it is dedicate each task of the day to God. Remember, it's not just hearing, it's living. So what you could do is, when you on, on your way to work, rather than saying, okay, look, before my mind gets crowded with all the stuff work's going to crowd it with, God, I remind myself that today, I don't work for my boss, and I don't work for my company, I work for you. And so today, everything that I go to do, I'm going to try to do for your glory. I'm going to try to do it in the way that pleases you before anybody else. Maybe you come home, Lord, I'm, I'm a family member in an imperfect family, but I dedicate this dinner, I dedicate this meal, this is yours. When you go to bed at night, Lord, I, this sleep, <laughs> God, I give you these sleep hours and I pray that you'll rejuvenate me and I, I, I give this to you. you can, and as you do that, you're, you're, you're living a different kind of life. You're walking through a different kind of life. So who will you listen to is the first question. Here's the second one. Which lifestyle will you embrace? So basically in the uh, first question we saw two options. A blessed way, a non-blessed way. This one we see two pictures that kind of show us the results of which one you choose. One of them uh, is a, a husk. Okay, look at verse 4. Not so the wicked, in other words, the person who listened to all the other people, they're like chaff that the wind blows. So what would happen is they would take wheat and they would beat it on the floor, and when they would beat it on the floor, the, the husk, the chaff, would separate from the, from the grain or the seed. And it's just this thin, paper-thin little shell, like a BB little shell. And what would happen is it would, it would knock loose, and when the wind came, it would just blow it away. And so what he's saying is, if you want your life to just be blown away in the wind and not produce fruit and not be blessed and not flourish, then go ahead and listen to all those other voices. Go ahead and live in a way, a habitual way, the repetition, the listening, and you'll become a chaff blown in the wind. But the person who meditates on the Bible, listen to Psalm 1-3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, 
which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. So here's what I want you to notice about this, okay? This tree wasn't born here. It's a transplant. You see that? It's planted by the water. It actually sprung up somewhere else. You, didn't, you weren't born saved. You weren't born here. You weren't born planted by the river. What happened when you got saved is the Holy Spirit uprooted you from where you were and rooted you down by the river of living water and planted you by a source that will give your soul life. But you got to drink. Like, you got to drink. So, what do we learn? Remember, you're like, what does this have to do with prayer? This whole chapter is about preparing us for prayer. So, what can we learn from chapter one about prayer? Here's what we learned. If you want to know about prayer, I challenge you to do this go find a big, beautiful old tree and get a chair and sit in front of it and stare at it. And just look at it and think about it. What? And just reflect on it. God, you want me? You're saying if I meditate on your word, I'll be like this tree. What are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to say? Notice when you look at the tree, it's quiet and it's ordinary. Oh, the voices out there are so spectacular and so flashy and so loud. And they're popping up on your phone all the time. And you're dismissing and swiping this on and off. But you know what? The Word is like a tree planted by a river. It's quiet. And it's ordinary. And you'll walk past it a thousand times before you see it. But when you see it, if you really see it, it'll change you. And it drinks moisture up slowly, a little bit each day. I'm not going to open the Bible and try to read 17 books by tomorrow. I'm going to sip a little bit of that river. I'm going to sip a little bit of that nourishment up every day. And I'm going to grow a little bit every day. Over time, it grows deep roots. And it produces leaves and shade and fruit. And it's not blown away by storms because it stands the test of time. And it doesn't uproot itself every few months or years and replant somewhere else and replant somewhere else and replant somewhere else and replant somewhere else. Somewhere else. It's planted it's rooted. It's got its roots down. See, the, the hard part about a message like this is, like, it's not, it's for Monday. It's for Tuesday. It's not, it's not exciting. It's not a Christian conference that goes, oh, yay, this weekend's going to change my life, and then everything's going to be different from now on. No, this says, you know what's going to change your life? You know, you know what a wisdom psalm is? Here's what a wisdom psalm is. They all have the same thing in common. They take the long view. In life, we take the short view. Turn a profit, sell, customer, go, acquisition, move, move, move. Psalm 1 is so opposite of that. It takes the long view. You want to flourish? You want to produce fruit? You want to be rooted? Plant your roots by this river. Drink a little bit every day. Oh, and over time, oh, you'll have these beautiful green leaves. You'll have branches that stretch out. You'll have a root system that'll anchor you when the storms of life come, and you'll have fruit in season. <laughs> and it'll be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. It's planted, and it's rooted, and it draws life from God. Okay, so what, what do we got? What do we learn today? 
this prayer book of Psalms is not going to do you much good if you don't meditate on God's Word. It's not going to do you much good. But when you meditate on His Word and it fills you, what happens is, is it informs your prayers. And it makes your prayers filled with faith. And it makes your prayers filled with expectation and wisdom and, and peace. It gives you confidence. Psalm 1. You want to be blessed? <laughs> I hope you do. Would you stand with me this morning? Hey, if you're online, our prayer team is there and ready to pray with you. If you need prayer today, we want you to um, just jump in the comments. Let us know how we can pray for you. We, we, we literally have been praying for you already throughout this morning and before service started. So let us know how we can pray for you. For all of us as we sing this song, Lord, we love you today. And we thank you for the good word of God that nourishes our soul <laughs> and teaches us ways to live and gives us wisdom, depth, soul, and heart. God, I thank you. Your, your word is limitless. It nourishes our soul today. God, I pray as we worship you now that our hearts would be turned and our ears would be turned and our minds and souls would be turned toward you.